Hello everyone and welcome back to the AirPod and Happy New Year. I hope I can still say that uh, on this day. So I don't, I never know exactly when uh, the cutoff point is for wishing people well for the year ahead. But uh, if you are new to the show, welcome. If you are coming in from last year, I hope you enjoyed the holidays. What a start to the year we've had. Um, not quite the usual gentle January we usually get on the Royal Beat. Uh, big, big news uh, from the Sussexes who announced on January the 8th that they would like to step back from their roles as senior members of the Royal Family. And that will be what we'll be talking about for this entire episode. We're going to be diving into everything you wanted to know about the situation, what it is that the couple want, how we got to this point, what the future looks like, and much, much more. Before I'm joined by my guest this week, Chris Ship, the Royal Editor at ITV News here in the UK, I just want to look at what sort of started this on January the 8th, Wednesday. I remember it well because my phone went absolutely ballistic. Uh, Harry and Meghan released the following statement. They said, after many months of reflection and internal discussions, we've chosen to make the transition this year in starting to carve out a progressive new role within the institution. We intend to step back as senior members of the royal family and work to become financially independent while continuing to support Her Majesty the Queen. The statement goes on to say... That the couple want to continue the honour of their duty to the Queen, the Commonwealth and their patronages, but they would also like to embrace a geographic balance in their life to raise Archie with an appreciation for the royal tradition into which he was born and also provide their family with a space to focus on the next chapter. And that next chapter, of course, is the Sussex Royal Charity that will be launching well, listen, the date could change at this point, but it was it's supposed to be launching towards the beginning of the second quarter of this year. And that's really going to be, I guess, where Harry and Meghan will anchor a lot of their work. Um, a lot of details still need to be hashed out. Of course, uh, this is a collaborative effort with the Queen, the Prince of Wales, the Duke of Cambridge. We don't quite know where this is going to happen, but... To talk us through all of this, I won't be alone this week. I'm joined by ITV News Royal Editor, and I would say my friend, Chris Ship. Uh, it's your first Hi. time joining me on here. Thank you very much. You've done me the honour of being on uh, one of my digital shows, so I thought I would at least return the favour, and it's a pleasure to be talking to you. Well, we've had your colleague, your very popular colleague with our listeners, Lizzie, on the show before. So Some would say the, the harder-working colleague. <laughs> I think everyone is very much uh, hardworking this week. It has been. Oh, uh, blimey! How do you feel right now? I feel like um, I've been hit in the face by a by a double-decker bus. It, it, I'm I'm a little frazzled, a little tired. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to unpack, and that's kind of what I wanted so, this week's show to be, just mm. to really sort of take a look at everything. I have had so many questions on social media. I'm sure you have as well there's a lot that people don't quite understand and obviously that goes right to the top because I think there's a lot that senior aides at Buckingham Palace don't quite understand at the moment. You're, yeah. you're right and I think actually you know we, we talk about the blindsided thing uh, to do with this story I mean what is clear is they didn't know that the statement was coming or at least they got a couple of minutes notice before people like you and me found out um, but I think they, they, they knew something was on the way. I mean, discussions in a very sort of loose sense have been happening for, for at least a week or so beforehand. Um, but no one expected Harry and Meghan to go, how should we put this, to go nuclear and press mm. that button in the way they did on, um, on Wednesday night. Yeah, I think that there had been a build up 
you know, look, if we want to, we can go back as far as sort of beginning of autumn last year. Mm. I think there had been a lot of conversations within Team Sussex and amongst the couple and their friends for quite some time about wanting to bring in some change. I think they felt quite frustrated about things. Um, and obviously there are some things that have happened in the past that they still haven't quite gotten over yeah. yet. Yeah, I'd agree with you. And I, I think because I was um, involved with the, the, the big documentary that we made on ITV last year when they spoke to Tom Bradby about all their difficulties and their troubles and all the rest of it. I mean, I was with him for a lot of that. and I, I was watching it unfold in front of me. And I, I kind of get the sense that they were they wanted that to not only be a bit of a sort of relief valve, if you like, but also just to set the ground. Just almost the warning shot to the rest of the family that things really aren't going very well. Mm. It's not just a little niggle here or a niggle there. And, you know, if you look back now, you can see that something monumental, as we've had this week, was on its way. And that was their, their way of, uh, of signaling to the rest of the world and the rest of the family that, that something had to change. Yeah, I, potentially you can almost say that they have sort of, I guess, planned this step by step. I think the public would have been quite confused with this news had they have not had that insight into their sort of state of mental well-being. Yeah, you're right. I don't think they could they couldn't have planned it, you know, as you know, accurately as perhaps they wanted to. But I think it, I think they did have a long term plan to say if we do this and if we do talk to Tom on the documentary and if we do hint a little about some of the big problems that we're having then that will pave the way and make it a lot easier for when we're in the new year we we, we um we we tell them that we want to do things differently and obviously the, the six weeks in canada was where they crystallized all that thinking all that fresh air all those mountains and all that sea air on the west coast of canada was clearly the reason for gave, gave them that opportunity i think just to to sit down and go what are we going to do are we really going to stick with this for the next 30 years and they decided no we don't want to yeah you have to wonder whether at the start of the week obviously we're at canada house for the reception that they attended they Mm. wanted to give their thanks to the high commissioner there for all the hospitality they received in canada and the support they've received from the country itself you have to wonder if they knew in the back of their minds that this was about to happen at that point because they seemed rejuvenated they seemed in great spirits we were joking about nanaimo bars that was sort yeah, of the, exactly. the vibe yeah. for the start of the, the week big story the big story was the nanaimo bar which um i will now eat again when i go to canada the the, the, the chocolate <laughs> the custard and the biscuit and um and actually i saw because i was the uh, the, the the rotor correspondent on, on on the visit i saw that uh, some of Harry Megan's staff left with some of those Nanaimo bars wrapped up in some plastic film and they uh, took them home with them. So I don't know how many Harry had or was allowed to have um, <laughs> uh, after his supper that night. But uh, there, there was a, a sugar hit, I think I would describe it as. <laughs> Sustenance for a heavy week ahead. Yeah, I could do with one right now, to be fair. <laughs> but of course, you know, things quickly change. And, you know, we had the announcement. That then very quickly followed with the reaction from the palace, which seemed quickly mm. put together. I think there was a a, a period between uh, Harry and Meghan's statement coming out and us hearing from the palace that every single phone across the households was engaged or off, unavailable. One hundred percent. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And those ninety minutes, I think, between Harry and Meghan's statement and the one from the palace, that was like what two sentences long, was very terse and short and abrupt and said 
we hear what they say, but we haven't got the first clue what to do about any of it. Mm. Um, I think that reflected the, I think we can call it anger, you know, anger, frustration, disappointment um, on day one, if you like, the, the day that Harry and Meghan uh, issued that statement. And, and but very quickly, it's almost the, perhaps they, they, they decided that this was the, the strategy to take. But very quickly on day two, mm. what's this, Thursday, um, then it was like, you know, OK, this isn't as it was put to me. This isn't the pitch that we want to be playing on. But now we're on it. We've got to get on it on with it and decide what what on earth to do and that and how to engage with them so that they're not they don't want to be on this pitch but that they're basically being forced to play on it exactly a friend of mine called that statement they just sent me a text and said stiff upper lip rage <laughs> well it, yes wasn't it yeah it. absolutely yeah but um, it sort of dissipated overnight or, or maybe it was just a realization that you know we, we simply haven't got any choice here guys we've got to we've got to crack on no, exactly. And, 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 you know, almost 24 hours later, we received guidance from Buckingham Palace uh, confirming that the Queen, the Prince of Wales, the Duke of Cambridge have all directed their teams to work mm. together, at, as they say, at pace with the governments and the Sussex household to find workable solutions. So it really mm. went in the direction that Harry and Meghan wanted. And yeah, perhaps I th- to I- some, it started to make sense why it perhaps happened in this way. I think I agree with you. And I was, I don't know about you, but I was surprised by the, we're going to do this in days, not weeks, given how many sort of constitutional and financial decisions there are to make military ones as well. You know, don't forget, Harry is the captain general of the British Royal Marines, which was a position he took from the Duke of Edinburgh on the day um, he retired. He he relinquished that title. And I just, I just think, you know, there are so many things to, to decide on here. Can they really, by what, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week, have all this sorted out? I mean, I I think that's a really tall order, but they're determined to do it, I think. Yeah, and I think almost whether they do actually sort all of this out in that time, they're under Mm. pressure to show that they have control over this situation. Because for, Mm. you know, three senior royals, you know, the, 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 the current reigning monarch and the next two in line, for them to look like this is out of control is just not an option. Yeah, I agree with you. And also, don't forget, next week, there's a particularly big visit for William and Kate in Bradford, a city in the north of England, if anyone listening to this outside the UK, uh, in Yorkshire. And they want to focus on their, you know, some of their priorities, like social cohesion. Bradford is a very uh, multicultural city. Um, and, And unless there's some sort of holding statement or some kind of you know, initial planning or decision announced to the press before hmm. this visit. Well, what's the visit going to be about? It's going to be, a, you know, it's going to be all about Harry and Meghan and, and how these negotiations are still going on, which is why I think we will get something, however limited that might be, uh, by Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Yeah. And of course, as of as of re- the time of recording this, Meghan is now back in Canada with Archie. Mm. We, we know that Archie stayed behind uh, for the week uh, with a nanny and their close friend, Jessica Mulrooney. She was there um, for, for much of this week as well. Harry hasn't gone back yet. And that uh, wasn't initially the plan. He was going to return with Meghan. And I would mm. imagine a lot of that is down to the talks that is taking place. Sources confirmed that yesterday he was very much part of a lot of these conversations that were happening, I would imagine Mm. today is exactly the same. You know, and I think if he were to have flown back to Canada with Meghan after dropping this bombshell in the middle of the week, it it wouldn't have gone down very well because they need the negotiations. They need to find out from Harry himself what role it is that he wants to do, uh, what role it is that he and Meghan think they can achieve, um, either in 
Canada or in the UK before they can get on to the things like the, the finances and how much money did they take from the sovereign grant? How much money did they get from his father's duchy of Cornwall estate? So all of that sort of on hold while they try and work out what Harry wants to do. I think if he'd gone to Canada um, on a different you know, time zone, um, that would have looked very bad. So I think it was a very wise decision of them to for Harry to stay in the UK. Exactly. Well, I wanted to sort of take a step back and actually look at what it is that Harry and Meghan wanted, because, of course, alongside their statement, they did unveil a brand new website, SussexRoyal.com, that was pretty much their proposition for these sort of modernised roles that they wanted to take on. And they spoke about sort of transitioning into a new working model, that that would see them stepping back as senior members of the royal family and no longer receiving funding through the sovereign grant. But obviously, there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, This financial independence that they talk about and they say that they're looking forward to isn't really the full story, is it? No, um, the the full story is uh, I think that they they didn't like the life that they have been living, you know, maybe for the last year, certainly since uh, Archie was born. And I think anyone will agree. Anyone who's got children will agree that life really does change when a child arrives into into your family unit. It changes your outlook. It changes your perspective. Um, and I just think that they, they had concluded they were simply so unhappy with how it was. Mm. Um, they had the time in Canada, as you say, to write this website, which is you know, it's like, it, as you say, a proposition from Harry and Meghan. This is the funding model. This is how we think it's going to work. They say there is precedence uh, for the funding model, which is interesting because the only people that I can think they're talking about are um, Andrew and Fergie's two children, Beatrice and Eugenie, because they have the HRH title. They don't work as full-time royals and they do have jobs of a kind uh, in the commercial world. I don't think they'll be talking about Princess Anne's children like Zara Phillips or Zara Tyndall, as she is now, and Peter Phillips, because they don't have the HRH title. Mm. Um, so if they're talking about precedent, I think they must have been referring to um, to Beatrice and Eugenie. But, uh, yeah, and you'll know this, uh, Omid, that, that they have a, they pay, for example, for their own security. Yeah, I think it's presumed that they, they get the taxpayer-funded police protection officers, they don't. Their security is funded privately. So there are many different models, and we don't yet know what the Sussex model is going forward. Exactly. And, you know, the York girls, they also don't take on royal engagements. And what Harry and Meghan have described in this sort of new working model is a sort of one foot in Mm. the royal camp and and one foot sort of doing in, in, in their own thing. They've obviously got the launch of Sussex Royal Foundation, at uh, the beginning of sort of Q2 this year, and that's going to very much be at the centre of all of their work. But yeah, and they've hired to, like to, say is... to, to lead that, and you know the staff are there ready to to launch Sussex Royal. Um, can it keep that name going forward? It's going to be a charitable foundation, but um, you know, it, it, will it be a royal foundation? I mean, there, there are so many decisions they've got to they've got to take, um, and not least on this this charitable foundation, which one imagines now will become quite internationally focused and we'll be able to do a lot Mm. more in in Canada. Yeah, I I, want to go back to them sort of talking about um, or claiming that there had been precedent for this new working model Mm. that they were trying to create because it's actually the one most confusing part of this proposition that I found because there isn't really, as you say, an accurate example of this happening before. You know, the most public story we know of that's happened in the royal family was back in sort of the late 90s early 2000s when prince edward and the countess of wessex both had 
private jobs and also took on royal engagements. And, and Edward was uh, working for a television co- uh, com- production company and Sophie was in PR. Yeah. And it was in 2002 that the Queen uh, very publicly paid both of them to stop doing their private jobs because it was overshadowing their work within the royal family because of course money's involved and when money's involved that often comes from places that you have no control of and that's the one thing that I think Harry and Meghan are going to really struggle with here is how can they self-fund how can they fundraise if they don't know or if they if they're not able to guarantee that every nickel and dime that is coming in as members of the royal family is clean yeah, and I think that's a real challenge for them because, you know, what if Meghan's not going to go back to acting, we don't think she is, um, you know, does she become like a brand ambassador for a big global company? And, and if you do that, and there are plenty of companies that could be described as ethical or represent her values in terms of female empowerment, etc., but there will always be a source of income which has come from, oh yeah, some clothing that might have come from a, a factory in Bangladesh or in Pakistan or Vietnam, which isn't paying its workers the, the right amount of money and mm-hmm. all the rest of it. You know, do you remember when um, when we were in Australia and um, was is in Dubbo in the rain in Australia when Meghan wore those jeans and they were made in a factory in Vietnam, wasn't it? That that employed yes. women on good wages and as a result of her wearing those jeans they were able to employ something like 20 more uh, women etc i mean that's the power that she has in her royal role so there will be companies must be they must be having you know uh, meetings right now deciding do you think we should bid for Meghan markle when she's released from the royal family um because the power that she has and harry obviously has as well is absolutely phenomenal yeah, it's been quite funny to see some of the speculation about how they're going to make m- money moving forward. Mm. I think there was a report today that claimed that she had been in talks with Givenchy uh, to be a spokesperson or, or something like that. And I think our, our minds with, with sort of public figures immediately goes to this sort of cashing in and uh, releasing uh, pr- products in their name and so on. But actually, there are so many other ways that they can legitimately earn money. I mean, if you look at Harry working as an executive producer on this new Oprah docu-series for Apple TV+, there is no reason why he cannot take a salary for something like that. And I would like to think that that's the kind of working model that they hope to sort of use. No, I completely agree. And I think, you know, that that, that Oprah thing, when it was was announced on Apple TV, uh, you know, we all... Harry was a fully paid up member of the royal family, if you like, then a uh, mm. senior member of the royal family, which we now know he's not going to be. And therefore, it, you know, it would have been assumed accurately by us at the time that he wouldn't get paid for that. Whereas now he can he can accept propositions from certain companies, television companies, massive, you know, global companies like Apple and and talk about what kind of fee that he could have for lending his expertise his knowledge his contacts his power of convening which he still has because one of the royals biggest um attributes is their power of convening they can bring people together they can get them around the table be that on environmental matters on ethical matters on matters of social cohesion or problems with um you know racism or whatever it is or or, uh, and i I just think that harry is still going to have that going forward he's still got that power he's still got the connections he can call himself a friend of the Obamas, for example, um, yeah. and, um, and and Meghan as well. And, and that's going to be unbelievable, unbelievably valuable to any commercial corporate company going forward. 
Exactly. I mean, I think when you look at the, what their aims are, it's, it's spelled out quite clearly on the website. You know, you go to the front page and it says the Duke and Duchess of Sussex supporting community, serving the monarchy, strengthening the Commonwealth. And when you think of it that way, it's not actually that crazy an ask to have. I mm. think it's just the sort of how it's going to actually work. And when money is involved, it's what makes it so complicated. And again, why it makes it so hard to believe that this can be thrashed out in a few days. You know, I was saying on our bulletins uh, on ITV yesterday, it's just that, you know, the, the very notion that Harry and Meghan will, you know, we'd be half in, half out of the royal family means that suddenly the worldwide interest in them dissipates. It's for the birds. I mean, the, the interest in them will remain, mm. which is why these issues of like security and everything else come up, because they'll still be very, very high profile individuals and they just need to work out how they're going to pay for it and all the rest of it but the interest is still going to be in, in some respects you might say it's greater because they, they they're now forging this role without precedent as we've just discussed and everyone will be fascinated to see quite how it's going to work and how you can live in canada for half a year and come back to the uk for half a year and be in the royal family but earning your own money presumably harry's not about to rel- relinquish his sixth in line to the throne title archie won't give up his seventh in line to the throne title so the interest is still going to be quite phenomenal in this couple. Mm. You know, obviously this, this boils down to them not wanting to be senior member, members of the royal family. Mm. And in some ways, they were never going to be, even if it wasn't addressed. You know, they're not the future of the firm. They were always sort of being, certainly in the last year or so, had, were being slowly positioned as these sort of global ambassadors for the monarchy, working on the Commonwealth stage, and really sort of, I guess, building the brand outside of the UK, where the Cambridges are the sort of heroes of this country. The Sussexes were the, the sort of like world champions yeah, of the royal family. I, I agree with you. And, and the Sussex Foundation was always going to have a much more global outlook than, than the royal foundation of the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. We also saw over the Christmas period, didn't we, we, we not only with the video of the Queen and her three heirs making that uh, pudding mix in Buckingham Palace, mm. but also the portrait that they released which they said to mark the start of the new decade, was all about the Queen and three future kings, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and so Harry and Meghan's role was always going to be difficult, different. What I think is really interesting, I, I'd just be interested in your thoughts on this, because Canada, you know, the Queen is as much the Queen of Canada as she is the Queen of the UK. So actually, there's almost a, an, an advantage here, um, a positive for the royal family to to have some very well-known individuals, even if they're not going to call themselves senior members of the royal family, but to have them in Canada, where the Queen is the head of state still, along with, what, 15 or 16 other realms uh, yeah. around the world. And perhaps that's a way in which the royal family can spread its wings, if you, as you were, if you think of it that way, and become an international brand rather than just a UK brand. Exactly. Well, I think, you know, the royal family would be at its strongest if there was a sort of quote unquote ambassador from the family in every single major Commonwealth country. That is how you become a major global force. I think Harry and Meghan being in North America, as well as being able to harness their popularity in the Queen's popularity, obviously very much a revered figure over there. Mm. Uh, in but then Canada, you need, you need 50-odd figures then in order to make the country <laughs> of the Commonwealth. You know? 
but the, but the ability to dip in and out of the US, I think, does the royal family no harm at all. It's very rare that we see members of the royal family in America, despite the fact that probably the country where the family are the most popular in the world and the biggest business is the US. And Harry and Meghan have an insanely huge following over there. I mean, you know, the majority of the listeners of this podcast are in the US. I would say that the majority of my followers on social media are in the US. And the same goes for the Sussex Royal account. And they have not been able to harness that yet. They've not really been able to do anything with it yet. And I think the second that they step foot in that country and start doing something, that's when they become a force to be reckoned with. Well, you know, we've been saying on the tours that we've been on over the past uh, couple of years, oh, we can't wait for when Harry and Meghan go to the US. It's going to be phenomenal when they go to the US. And we've always concluded, and perhaps correctly, that they couldn't do that while they had the current occupant of the White House because of everything that Meghan had said previously about Donald Trump. Um, it would have made it a little bit difficult in their roles as senior members of the royal family. Of course, they now have a different role. They're stepping back a bit. Who knows what's going to happen with the White House later this year? We simply don't know. But, but I just think when they go to the States, it's you know, on, a, on a proper public engagement, not a private visit. It's going to be quite phenomenal. And I think we are all, you, I'm sure, as I am, will be really excited to, to go mm. and witness the, the response and the welcome that this, this couple will get when they go to America. Exactly, and so this notion that the you know that you see speculation in, in certain sections of the media or in uh, on social media that that the couple are sort of could potentially be booted from the royal family or whatever, I think they would be it would be a crime to to get rid of what could be a very powerful weapon yeah. for them. I and agree I think with you. And that I think that the royal family would their... do themselves a disservice if they did. Yeah, exactly, and that would be I think the couple's biggest argument today for being the first to actually be able to have this sort of one foot in, one foot out model that they have sort of created for themselves. It's this sort of bespoke approach to royal work. Who says that it has to be the mm. same um, as others have done in the past? Exactly. There's a phenomenal opportunity here, as well as a massive challenge. I mean, we're all calling this in the UK. I don't know how it's uh, quite how it's being seen in the US, but we're calling it a crisis of the heart of the royal family. Mm. But you could kind of turn it on his head. Not only just what I said just now about, you know, the opportunity of spreading the the brand of the monarchy in Canada. But yeah, America as well. Um, This is a, a, a fantastic moment for the royal family to harness the the power, if you like, of brand Sussex, if, even, if they still keep the title, Duke and Duchess of Sussex, mm. who knows? Um, but uh, you know, that brand that Harry and Meghan have got uh, to, to, to launch that in the US uh, is going to be quite phenomenal. And I'm, I'm excited to see how they might go forward in that way. Well, before we get to anything more, I just want to take a quick break, Chris, and uh, we can continue this conversation. There is so much more I need to ask. And of course, on the other end of the scale, there's a lot of talk about the potential damage that this situation could have on the royal family. Do you think that that is possible? Is there an area where you think that this could sort of work out badly for the monarchy? I think it could work out badly um, for not just the monarchy, but also the UK. Because if, if by the conclusion in all this, if people have decided that Meghan wasn't welcome in the royal family that it, there was a schism right at the heart of the royal family between this new entrant who was American, who was biracial, who was, had her own career, who was a divorcee. If the royal family wasn't able to accept 
her for who she was, then I think that might reflect quite badly uh, on the family. If, however, they're able to to make this turn and become a, a new, you know, new global force and project that royal brand into America, as we were just discussing, then then it then it won't look so bad. But I do worry sometimes about how people. And I know and I look at my own social media interactions, positive and negative, but I know that some people might have formed a view that the entire British press have been against Meghan or they have given her a hard time. Mm. You know, and I, I always say to people, because I work in television, I also work online and social media. I don't work for a UK tabloid. Um, you know, there, there are different bits of the press and sometimes we're seen as one homogenous group. When actually, as we all know, there are very, very different parts to the to the media, both in this country and and in America. And I do worry about the the image abroad abroad that the, the, the family or even the British public weren't able to accept Meghan. And I, I don't think that is true, actually, because I, th- I think you just look at the response to, on the day of the wedding about how people were excited to have her as part of our our country and our royal family and our society and and it's a, it's a, it's sad in a way that it's it's come it's come to this yeah I, i'm glad you brought that up because i think that that's one one area that i wanted to break down obviously there's a lot of talk about the media in harry and megan's desire for change um and this new working model they mm. make it very again clear. i correct you there, there there was a lot of talk about the the, the newspapers I, I didn't see any mention of television in there well no and that's that's what i wanted to that's what I wanted to explain is that because obviously we talk about the the, the royal rotor and, and and that's something that they've really broken down on their website. They talk about this system. It's a self-governed uh, group of journalists uh, from all of the British newspapers uh, and tabloids uh, that have uh, exclusive access to all members of the royal family on all of their engagements. It's very much like the White House press pool but the rotor also includes television as well it also includes Mm. photo as well and i think what harry and megan didn't really point out on their website is that they're really just talking about the written word here they're not there's no mention of television they they spell out the names of every uk media outlet uh, that they believe is in the rotor they did miss out the press association which i thought was quite strange but um yeah, and and they missed out the broadcasters because we have a slightly separate royal rotor operation. But yeah. um, you know, in the UK, the three main broadcasters, which is ITV, the BBC, and Sky, we take it in turns to go to the event. As, as I was saying earlier, I was the the guy at the Canada House event in London mm. this week, uh, and then the footage that my camera takes and the interviews that I do at that event, we then share with the BBC and Sky afterwards. And you know. One of the reasons why we have this system is to stop there being 26 cameras all doing the same thing in mm. that small room that Harry and Meghan are in. And it stops there being such a, you know, an explosion of, of, of TV, camera, media and all the rest of it. That that often happens outside. If you've ever seen any footage of the, cam- you know, the flashlights outside, you know that those big pens exist. But when you go into an event, there is only one camera from the UK broadcasters. There's only one correspondent from the... Uh, UK newspaper group and those words and those pictures are shared with everyone afterwards and there's a benefit to that system because it stops it being a big crowd but as as Harry and Meghan have said they want to they want to do things differently and they're going to phase in this new system in the spring of this year. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I think when you talk about it benefiting uh, everyone, I, I would say for television and for photo, very much the case. I think you know, often a lot of the footage on ABC News is often from your cameras when you are pool, and exactly. the same with yeah. photos that will come from the pool photographer. That's then available to everyone. But what isn't available to everyone is the written word by the print royal rotor. And I think when right. we talk about Harry and Meghan, we often talk about the global stage. Uh, being them being a couple sort of that want to work around the world however coverage of them and the work that they do is very much limited to the UK press and that's one of the things that they really does uh, sort of spelled out in their manifesto mm. if you want to call it that um, that they want to sort of widen the spectrum of their news coverage um, and presumably we could talk to the UK press because because it's the it's the british royal family and which is funded in part by british taxpayers exactly. and therefore it was yeah. always seen that it had to be the british press that that, that that covered it but as we've been discussing throughout this uh, podcast is that harry and Meghan are an international brand and there is an international interest in them yeah exactly i i i, I want to sort of look at sort of how the couple doing at the moment because of course we've we've heard so much about what's going on inside Buckingham Palace but this is a couple that obviously came to this conclusion or this decision to move forward with a big change for their lives um, not just based on their desire to do more work but also for their mental health as well and their own well-being and we spoke earlier in the show about the uh, documentary that you were involved with uh, the end of Africa with Tom Bradby and the couple spoke about that uh, very openly but obviously nothing really has changed for them this is the couple that still feel very hurt they're about to take on uh, number three of the Britain's tabloids in the courts this year or perhaps early yeah. next year um, and I think that in a way this desire to improve their lives and find positivity is, is probably the biggest force uh, for doing this more than wanting to not take from the sovereign grant or change their working model it's really about preservation i think so well we got a little look into the you know the troubles that harry has been having and i think he will admit is still having uh, in that interview you know when he said that uh, that he was still trying to manage his mental health um and we we heard megan talking about she's tried the british stiff upper lip but she thinks that's not good for your mental health and what was the phrase she used that you know it's not enough to survive you've got to thrive and mm. um it very much left the impression that they they were simply struggling to get by um every day and that when you think about that when you step back and think about that and put everything else aside the the royal family, the institution, the constitutional implications in the UK, that's a very tough place to be if you're a couple in your mid-30s, you just had your first child, and you're literally really not enjoying the, 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 the life that you're, you're living. And I think that's, that is what has become clear. And I, I wonder, even, even the fact that Meghan has gone back to Canada this week, so soon after this bombshell, leaving, leaving Harry here, you know, it, it, to me, I wonder whether that's an acknowledgement from her that she's just really unhappy here. She's so much happier in Canada with Archie. And when she's at Frogmore Cottage on her own, she doesn't have a you know network of new mums to rely on. She can't have that many friends to pop around every day. Maybe, maybe she's just concluded that this is not what I wanted. This is not what I signed up for. Yes. And I think 
is that because of the country and the isolation or is that because of the experiences she's had since moving here she didn't just move over here as an actress uh, she moved over here as a member of the royal family and so she never really got to live inside the bubble of the UK she lives inside the bubble of the House of Windsor which can be an incredible place uh, to be a part of a historic institution you're you're part of history you're involved in i mean she's able to work on the things that excite her but if along the way it's uh follow, you're followed by negativity be it in the coverage in the press we know that certainly towards the start it was horrendous i mean you know we talk about you know, the word racism sort of gets thrown around a lot, but there were clear examples at the, in those very early days of uh, racist undertones. And, 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 and that didn't, certainly online, it didn't always go away. And I think even inside the walls of the House of Windsor, they also faced their own difficulties with members of the royal family. And I think over the weeks ahead, we're going to hear a lot more about some of the things and challenges that they faced because there are stories that still haven't been told yet. Um, In fact, I think, I mean, you're currently working on a a documentary that will air this weekend on ITV, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, based on uh, this story and and this this incredible week, extraordinary week. Yeah, you're right. And, and I think we're, we're, we're doing that because I think there is such a huge appetite for just more information about exactly what is happening here, but also how we got to this point. How was it that we got to a point where, where Harry and Meghan went off to Canada for six weeks and decided, you know what, we just want out effectively? I mean, OK, you know, we're not they're not resigning from the royal family. They say they still want to support the Queen. But, you know, this declaration of independence effectively that they issued, um, how did we get to that point? And I think just people, uh, I think there's, a, there's an element of sadness about it. Um, there's a lot of talk about money and, and, and the details and all the rest of it. But as a, as a human story, it's quite a tragic one, isn't it? You know, from that fairy tale at Windsor Castle in the wedding in May of 2018 with the blue skies and the beautiful castle um, to a position where Harry and Meghan, you know, feel a bit isolated. They feel like they've been pushed out by the family the family deny that and you know the the other households will say that they gave harry megan everything that they wanted they wanted you know to to move elsewhere they wanted to split their household they wanted their own staff all of that was given to them they wanted more money etc um and yet on a on a personal human level um i think it's 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 a very sad place that we've ended up in yeah absolutely and uh, you know i i we we heard from Tom Bradby this week and spoke on your network um, about the couple and sort of what had sort of led up to this. And he himself also referred to things being quite different since the royal wedding uh, for the couple internally um, inside the royal family. As I said, I think there's a lot more that we're going to hear, not perhaps not directly from the couple, but sort of through sources and through stories over the weeks ahead that may paint uh, a broader picture of the current situation because I think although their website lays out what it is they want for themselves professionally I think personally there's a lot that they want to change as well. Yeah and I think they do have to change a lot I mean I remember I was talking to Harry uh, when we were in Malawi as part of that uh, Africa tour and so we spoke to him about climate change and his concerns for for the environment which is very much you know as we all know in his in the mold of his father but he was to me he seemed really really sort of anxious really worked up about what it is that that was going wrong and we weren't talking about personal issues here we weren't talking about we're talking about the royal family 
uh, we weren't talking about his workload. We were just focusing on the subject that he came to talk to us about, which, which was climate change. But he was really worked up about it. And I think that, you know, then to see in Tom's documentary that Harry was saying that he's still trying to manage his mental health. And, um, you know, they, they are they've been in a difficult place. Um, could the royal family have done more to support them? You know, we don't we aren't, you know, to be frank, we'd like to know we've got the inside track. We don't always know what's going on inside those walls of the palace. Uh, we don't know how many conversations are being had or not had between various members of the uh, of the family. But, you know, you, you wonder whether whether Harry got got the not the professional support, but the, the personal support um, that, that he must have craved from his family. Obviously, by the time the next episode of this podcast is out, I would imagine this story is going to be looking quite different. Uh, we will have received, reached some conclusions, but how do you think... Yeah. The, and we would have fe- seen Harry. He's got an event next week at Buckingham Palace, isn't he? Well, exactly. We would have seen him. I mean, blimey. I mean, that, that'll be a... Luckily, it's in the gardens of Buckingham Palace, so they'll be able to control the uh, media uh, through the royal rotor system that they want to exit from. But, um, yeah, I think there'll be a, a huge amount of interest in that next week. Do you think that we will see much of the couple over the weeks ahead? I know that the Palace haven't really said anything at the moment. I, I l- Listen, at the start of the year, I was aware of a number of engagements are in the works. I would imagine, and I have no confirmation of this, that some of those are on ice right now because it's just not the time to be out and about pretending that everything's okay. No, I think I agree with you as well because I think everything they do now, even let's say that she did another event at smart works or let's say that she went to another her, of her patronages like the national theater or, or mayhew i mean we're not going to be focusing on the charity i mean as much as we'd like to i mean the reality of the situation is that that all anyone's going to want to know about is is how these negotiations are going on when do they leave when does this new plan set in um where are they going to base themselves in canada um, those questions are, are, are not going to go away. And that, I mean, I, that, that's why I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I also heard that there were some, you know, some engagement, some operational notes about to about to be issued and, and they're now not. We all, all we have at the moment in the diary, at least for Prince Harry, is this one event at Buckingham Palace connected to rugby next week. Yeah. Where do you think we'll be this time this next week? I know that's a, a I, to speculate. Uh, well, on, but... no, listen, I, I think we'll have some detail. I think we'll have some clarity, at least some initial findings um, about exactly what role Harry and Meghan are going to have. Because if indeed they did think about this as, as um, deeply as we think they did in Canada, they didn't just write that website. They also obviously want they also had some idea of what sort of role it is they want to do and how they think it's going to work now they need to articulate that to the other branches of the royal family so i think next week we'll get we'll we'll get some shape of that we'll get the outline i think of that as well as something about the money we might not know exactly what they're going to do for their financial independence we won't get a a sponsorship deal announced next week but we'll, we'll, we'll get a little bit more detail i think so that we can you know some flesh on the bone if you like by this time next week but to pretend that we're going to have all of the answers to all of the questions by this time next week no, that's that's simply not going to happen because there's simply too many, too many things to sort out. Even for all the courtiers at Buckingham Palace who are busy working on it right now. Mm. I think one of the things I find most interesting 
to, to hear what, what what decision is made is obviously you know Harry and Meghan talk about this financial independence that they crave but it's actually only financial independence on 5% of their funding because the other 95% comes from Prince Charles's Duchy of Cornwall and I would imagine that that is one of the, going to be the biggest conversations that they have is why should he be paying them still if they're not going to be full-time members yeah. of the royal family well let's let's drill down on that because the five percent is the figure that's on the on harry and megan's own website i mean i've been told by other palaces is actually a lot higher than that and the five mm. percent figure is is presumably what harry and megan has calculated it to be but um other palaces dispute that and they say it's a bit bigger but what we can all agree on is that the majority of their money comes from the duchy of cornwall now the duchy of cornwall which um for anyone who doesn't know, it's like estate land or farmland. There's some housing. There's even like, you know, DIY warehouses on, on parts of this estate. But it, it generates money. And, and it, last year it generated about 20, 21 million pounds. Yeah. Now, the, the part of it that pays for Harry and Meghan, because this Duchy of Cornwall money, you know, I'm telling you this, Omid, you know all this, but, it, it, but it's, it's for the heir to the throne. It's always existed for the heir to the throne ever since the 1300s. Um, and it's there to pay uh, for him and his family. Um, so this is why Harry and Meghan, as well as William and Kate, get their money from the Duchy of Cornwall. There's, there's £5.1 million is earmarked for not just Harry and Meghan, but William and Kate. But the odd thing is that when you look into the accounts, it also includes this pot, this £5.1 million, includes things like garden machinery at Highgrove or at <laughs> Burke Hall on the Balmoral Estate. Yeah. It's almost like they deliberately obfuscate the, the pot of money. So we can never say this is what Harry and Meghan cost. This is what William and Kate cost. So they, they sort of throw in some garden machinery uh, in there <laughs> so that we can never quite tell you. But we know that it comes out of this £5.1 million pot. So, you know, that, that's roughly what the, the children of the Prince of Wales cost. Well, listen, I could talk to you about this all day. And we have been talking about it all day. And I'm sure we will continue <laughs> to talk about all this week, uh, yes. for the rest of the week and beyond. Uh, Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, when can we see this documentary that you're working on at the moment? So we're working on this for Sunday evening on ITV in the UK. Um, so in America, that's what, middle of the afternoon, evening time. And uh, hopefully it will be available uh, next week as well. And uh, essentially, it, it's a, it's a catch up on everything that we know so far how we got to this stage but it's also going to look ahead uh, some of the things that we've just been discussing uh, on here omid about um, about where they're going to go and what they're going to do going forward so um you know as we've as we've established in the last few minutes there's a lot to discuss on this one <laughs> looking forward well thank you again chris for joining me on this episode I would imagine that this time next week, things are going to be radically different. Uh, there is a lot to happen between now and then. Uh, but guys, thank you again for listening as always. And thank you for all the lovely messages over the holidays. Uh, I've read them all. And if you have any questions about this, uh, I hope we've answered a lot of them. I did bring them all up on my uh, phone before we went in, because uh, there's obviously a lot to talk about here, a lot to unpack. Do keep them coming in, send them into the show. Use the hashtag the AirPod and send them to myself at SCOBY. We'll be back next Friday. Thank you again, Mike Dubusky, Leighton Schneider and Anthony Ali in New York. Uh, for making the show happen because it's just me here in London um, and I don't know how to do anything other than talk. Uh, thank you again, guys. Take care. See you next week. Bye.